Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another week of the Truths We Hide podcast. Today's guest is Jillian Swanson Gancy. She is an artist, wife, and mother of three. Having been a military spouse for 13 years, she has had to adjust her own career path many times. Like many military spouses, cultivating new skills and adapting to a new job or career is par for the course. Jillian has been a producer, actor, hairdresser, makeup artist, student, fitness instructor, and baker. Since moving to the D.C. metro area, Jillian has returned to her entertainment roots and has jumped into a new documentary project focused on living with PTSD. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast created by A Wild Ride Called Life. To find out more about our mission, visit www.awildridecalledlife.com. Good afternoon, Jillian. How are you doing today? I'm great, Annette. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, of course. You, for the listeners, I am always excited to meet new people now nowadays because I tend to seclude myself, but when I... At the last minute, I decided to attend a male spouse conversations event, and I'm so glad that I went that day because I met Jillian. We each got to share a little bit about ourselves, and it got really deep for a minute. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Afterwards, Jillian's like, we need to talk. I was like, okay, great. Let's do this. And it just, after that, it just a friendship formed. So Jillian, tell us. A little bit about yourself and what you do and all the things. Well, um, <laughs> let me just start off with saying it feels like a lot of the times most of my conversations with people end up getting deep. And it's, <laughs> I don't know if that is um, a symptom of my personality or I don't know, but it always ends up happening. <laughs> I welcome it. So it doesn't bother me. Um, but about me, I am a military spouse, of course. Um, my husband's in the Navy. I have three kids. We have lived all over the place. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. We've lived all over the place in this country and we have yet to leave the live abroad. Um, I am a Jill of all trades. I am a hairdresser, a makeup artist. I was an actor at one point. I was a model at one point. Um, I'm a baker. Uh, I had my own business as a baker. Um, and so now I'm not doing like any of that. <laughs> and, funny how that works out. Yeah, it's funny how life works out. Um, now I am currently a producer on a um, documentary um, called Claire Voyage, working title. And it's all about PTSD and the types of people who live with it. Wow. Okay. So all those, some of those things I had no idea. Um, We had met up to do a small little piece on clairvoyance that she spoke about. And Mm -hmm. she made these scones that were ridiculous that I had (laughs) three of, I had three of them. I easily could have eaten more, but I (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that you were a baker at one point. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was a professional baker in, um, Washington state. That's crazy. Did you have a little brick and mortar shop or do, did no, you do it from the home? No. Okay. I wish I had the money to do a little brick and mortar, but 
I mean, you don't really get into baking for the money. <laughs> right. Kind of right. always in the red. So I did right. it out of my house and it was, it started off as a hobby and, you know, I'm just, I'm just good at it and I'm creative. I can, you know, I can paint and draw. And people just started saying, Hey, can you make me a cake? And then somebody from uh, California, I had made brownies or they were cayenne brownies and he slipped me a hundred dollars and said, send, send me brownies until the money runs out. And I, I was like, okay, I guess I'm in business. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. I, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked. Um, how did you begin in the acting field and the producing field? How did you get into all that? Um, well, I was an actor starting at the, around the age of 16. Um, and I would do a lot of independent um, films or stage work. And I've always been somebody who felt it important to tell a story, uh, to tell important stories. Now, of course, doing independent work, you don't tell you don't tell important stories. You tell the story of a girl running through a woods from a serial killer. So, <laughs> really, wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, I also, I really, honestly, I got into acting and modeling because I didn't think I was intelligent enough to do anything else. Um, oh yeah, I was in, you know, in high school, I was a cheerleader and, um, I was a cut up in class. I didn't try very hard. I've always been very smart, but I didn't know that I was cause I wasn't putting in the effort. Um, and when, when you aren't taught that when things become difficult is when you're learning I think a lot of a lot of the times girls especially feel this way. In the beginning, they feel very smart. They feel very competent, and because things come easy to them, and then when you reach a, reach a certain age, things start to become more difficult. And instead of thinking, "Okay, I need to try harder to learn this," it just becomes, "Okay, well, you know, I guess I'm not as smart as I thought I was." Um, so I fell back on a pretty face essentially and started working as an actor and a model, um, thinking that's really all I had to offer. And then, um, I met my husband and moved from LA to Whidbey Island, Washington. And there is no real need for actors or models or hairdressers or makeup artists (laughs) (laughs) over maybe hairdressers, but that's kind of it. Um, and so I went back to school. I went back to school to get my degree in political science and found out um, how smart I really am in a psychology class. I took almost every psychology class that was offered. And no, not almost all psychology classes that were offered in any, any college I went to. And I'll never forget the day that my um, instructor in one of the classes in the beginning of the, of the term, you know, she takes notes on who, each student is and makes mm-hmm. little notes about like how to remember each student. Well, she told, she wrote on uh, next to my name, the bright one. And I just thought, Oh my God, nobody's ever, aside from my parents, who of course you don't take any real stock in what your parents say stupidly. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I just always assumed I wasn't the bright one. And turns out, you know, that she really validated me and I started on a different path and I abandoned acting and modeling and started really diving into um, academia and 
felt a more sense of a firmer sense of self that way um tons of years later it's like 11 12 years later a girl from my past from LA approaches me with this documentary idea and I haven't been in the entertainment industry in a long 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 time and I have had people come to me in the past and say hey can you help me produce this or hey would you mind acting in this or something like that and I always say no this one I said yes to because it, it was finally a story that I, I know and I feel in my heart needs to be told. And I finally am able to be that storyteller and that, that bringer of light and understanding about people who are different than a typical, the typical um, population. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what, well, I don't even know what to say. I, I, well, I, gosh, it is hard to, I'm trying to think back when I was in school, I didn't think I was smart enough either to do anything. And uh, I did not do well in, in high school and mm-hmm. I, I barely graduated college. So to hear you say those things is it, gosh, that really hits close to home. And I'm sure it, it really impacts a lot of our listeners too because that's just that's just how we feel and our parents you know they could tell you everything and you're just not going to listen it's when someone else validates it you're like oh my gosh yes that's yeah thank thank you it's it's a horrible thing for us you know people who know you the best are the ones who are telling you these things and yet even as an adult like even when my say say my husband will compliment me on anything and I'm like oh yeah yeah but if a stranger tells me, <laughs> right? Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I'm like, oh my god, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that strange? No sense. Like it doesn't. My husband knows me better than anybody, and yet I'll trust the opinion of a stranger walking down the street more than his because yeah. what he's ob- obligated to compliment me. No, right. he genuinely feels that way. <laughs> right. It is. It is so strange. And now we need to teach our own kids that we don't need to have validation from other people, that exactly. we need to actually just feel, you know, feel um, good about ourselves. And, you know, By ourselves. It, exactly. It, Otherwise, you're constantly searching for that validation. And yes. And that's, that's where I was. I was constantly searching for for validation from strangers that's why I became a model that's why I became an actor a hairdresser and a makeup artist because I wanted I I needed um validation it was a very vain and um insecure um uh journey I guess for me and it, it took a long time to finally be able to say you know, be confident and not so insecure and say, you know what, I am smart. And yeah, so, you know, I didn't end up finishing my degree. I have three children. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of got in the way. But, you know, I, until you can tell yourself that you're beautiful and or that you're intelligent or that you're strong or that you're brave, you're never going to be any of those things if the if somebody other than yourself and other than the people in your immediate circle have to tell you those things because then it's just superficial it's just a title you don't own it it's just something that you put on for a second as you get the compliment and it's gone by the time you walk by you are so right I'm (laughs) uh I was just I found something I I love when I scroll through 
any social media and I find something, a, a saying that speaks to me, I immediately screenshot it and I save it yeah. because it's just, it's like, oh my gosh, I need to hear that today. And it brings me back to this one. Confidence is the ability to feel beautiful without needing someone to tell you. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, you're so right. Because even as adults, we have that problem sometimes. Oh, <laughs> we just... absolutely. And I it mean, sucks. <laughs> being mean to yourself is the easiest thing to do. It's right. so easy. It's the, it's your fallback. It's like, oh, well, I'm not good enough. Oh, well, I'm not pretty enough. Oh, well, I'm not smart enough. And it's so easy to do, which means it is a, a habit. It becomes a habit. And then it, you start to believe it. Right. You know, and so I'm actually dealing with this right now with my oldest son. He has horrible negative self-talk and it breaks my heart. You know, you try to instill this confidence in your kids and then to see him tear himself down is like, oh, it just guts me. And I, you know, I was that kid. I get it. And there's nothing I can say as his mom that will prove to him, you know, and and have him see himself through my eyes. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. That's what but I keep trying. <laughs> I, and that's, that's all we can do. And it's, it, it's, hard, it's so hard because I, my 17 year old son is the same way that negative talk just, it, it paralyzes him. And, mm-hmm. you know, his dad keeps telling him, look, the reason why I'm so upset about this grade is because I know you're so much smarter than that. Yeah. You did it. You brought all A's and B's last semester. I, and for you to get a D is like, you there's no way like you you know what you did wrong and he's and he admitted he's like I I guess I just slacked I I just it gets hard and I just he doesn't do it because he thinks he can't do it right well once things get difficult it's like I don't know because my oldest son is the same exact way he's totally fine if he understands it so like he understands that so my son's only only 10 yours is 17 so like it's the difference is huge in Mm -hmm. just seven years but, you know, so he's doing fractions and he gets fractions. Then he mm-hmm. moves on to decimals, which are essentially fractions. But it's just a little bit different that he breaks down and he thinks he just flat out cannot do it. Yeah. And so he stops. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a lot of coaxing and sometimes it takes tears and mm-hmm. he gets so angry. And like, I never want to force him into hating school or hating homework by like drilling things into him right but you know just because it's hard doesn't mean you can't do it it just means you're learning you know you understood say you understood fractions I don't personally understand fractions. (laughs) I'm like yeah you're already smarter than me kid (laughs) don't ask me for help don't ask me I can bake but I still use my fingers for all my fractions (laughs) I totally still use my fingers. I don't care. Oh my God. I'm like, use your fingers. I mean, like, it makes sense to me. I'm a visual learner. He's not. So it's, it's, it's difficult for, for us to work together sometimes. But, you know, I tell him all the time, it has to be hard or you're not, or you don't learn anything. If it's easy, there's, there's no point. I mean, you already right. know it then. Right. It is. Yeah. It, it breaks my heart. There's no, and I say this with every little situation, there's no book out there that tells you how to parent like this. I know there should every, be. <laughs> well, every kid, every kid is so different and you don't want to make them hate school, you know, because yeah. even now he doesn't want it. He wants to go to a trade school. He doesn't want to go to college because he doesn't think that he can do it. 
Yeah. And so it's so hard. So instead of us saying, no, you're going to college, we're, we're saying, okay, so what trade school do you want to go to? What do you like to do? What, you know, what's your favorite thing? So we have to just, we have to just encourage him in another way to do thing that do things that he loves. And yeah. it, it's hard. It, it broke my heart. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't want to go to college, <laughs> but but you hey, know it's, schools are great I mean exactly they're great you can have an amazing life make good money feel you know successful and accomplished in whatever it is he chooses to do and you're so right I had to be taught that it, I never mm-hmm. thought it was a bad thing trade school was a bad thing I just had these expectations for my kids you know whatever that's what we do but I had to reel it back in and say you know what this isn't about me this is about yeah. him yeah and well, so, and we're yeah. taught we're taught that you know college is what just what you do, right? And trade school is what you do when you can't get into college, but right? That's not necessarily but it's, true. It's, it's not. It's no. absolutely not because those are the jobs that not a lot of people want to do, but they need they we need it. Yeah. Hey, let so, me tell you. Every time I have, this is, I don't know if this is going to sound good or not, but every time <laughs> I have a plumber or an electrician come into my house, I'm like, you're a saint. You're an absolute saint. I could not do what you do. You're amazing. And I'm in awe. (laughs) And that's, that's amazing. That's actually a really nice thing to say to them because (laughs) we do need them seriously. And so all those do what they do. There's no way. No. And and that's the thing. It's like, you know, so yes, trade school is not bad. It's actually great. And there's so many people out there that should look at that option, but enough about school. About school. (laughs) We're like, pro pro trade school right now i know right <laughs> college is great too it's all an option take it. it it is it's just really i think nowadays because i don't use any of my well i don't use my masters at all maybe some of my bachelors but nowadays as i i'm going through these self-healing journey of my life i am um, <clears throat> i'm starting to see and i try to tell people do what your heart what sets your heart on fire yeah do what you are passionate about because if mm-hmm. you just go day to day and do the same thing that you dread then what are you doing yeah you know what I mean you and that's that is why I jumped on this project it's mm-hmm. because this is what I feel like I've always been meant to do mm-hmm. is to tell people's stories to enlighten the world to the struggles of other people mm-hmm. um, and I thought that when I was younger, I thought that it was my job to be those people, to act out those stories. But now that I'm in this role as a producer, um, it feels like such a better fit. Like, oh, wow, does it feel like such a better fit? Um, in When I was in school, so I, I actually, <laughs> I don't know if this is like a feather in my cap or if it's a, <laughs> if I should be shaking my head at myself. Probably both. But <laughs> when this project was presented to me, it was all very serendipitous. And she came to me and I was, I had gone back to school. I have, I swear to God, I should have like a couple of doctorates by now. I've been on and off back in school constantly. <laughs> and I was in another uh, online class, uh, online college. And I just wasn't getting anything out of it. Like, I know politics, I know government, I know psychology, I know all these things, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, I didn't feel like I was learning anything. Everything was too simple. Not that it was easy, but it was just too, 
it just, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a, like I was getting ready to prepare myself for a career in politics. It just felt like I had to take these bogus classes that, you know, won't help me in the long run. Um, and so when she came to me with this project, I was, and I was like, already like, oh my God, I, I'm done with school. I, I cannot do this any longer. My kids need me. Um, I'm 35. I can't just be like, you know, one class at a time trucking away at this stupid degree. (laughs) Um, and she came to me with this and I thought, yep, this is what I'm going to do. And I dropped out. I withdrew from school and I threw myself into this project and, I don't think I would have done that. (coughs) Oh my goodness, excuse me. If everything didn't just fall into place so perfectly, like the way it did. It was an amazing turn of events from when we lived in Washington to now. And it's like, I met all of these important people, you and that included. And it just like, and, and I met them all at the exact right time. Like it was like, the universe had laid out these steps and I just kept walking them and going, Oh my God, this is all making sense. Oh my God. All of this is connected. How, how is this possible that I'm meeting all these people who have the exact same experience and um, expertise that I'm looking for, for this particular project. And so I just said, all right, universe (laughs) (laughs) i will listen and i this is what i'll do so yeah yeah, here we are (laughs) that is amazing i remember when this first was taken off and you just you were still like in shock on how everything was just coming into place like how we just all met and how if we weren't at that male spouse conversations, if we didn't tell our story, if we didn't get so deep, if we didn't shed tears, if we did yeah. just all these little things, yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh. And it's just, um, yeah, you, for anybody listening, she's a natural. Like it's, it's amazing to see her in her element and to see her work and to see the, the thoughts that go through her head and just, just anything. It's like, I just, I just sit back and watch. Aww, that you, was tell, really you, you, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. You want me to move? You want me to walk? You want me to sneeze? Okay. Just, <laughs> it's just, I, I think, oh, I know that this project is going to be amazing. So you guys all need to just watch out mm-hmm. for Jillian Hold and Nicole. Tight. And it's just, it's going to be, it's going to blow your mind, but, um, we're hoping. no, yeah, I, I think it's going to make a huge impact because there's not a lot of, anyway, I want to, I don't want to give it away. It's just going to be great. Well, and you know, <laughs> no, it's okay. We can talk about the project. It's just, you know, when you talk about things like this and so I was at, um, a gala, uh, this past Saturday, um, like military affiliated event. Yes, you look gorgeous, by the way, but go ahead. (laughs) Big formal (laughs) events we always end up having to go to. Every every military wife has a closet of ball gowns and jeans and t-shirts. That's it. Like, there's, like, nothing really in between. (laughs) Right? Running one extreme to another. (laughs) Sure, you got a ball gown? Yeah, why not? I got, like, eight. Um, (laughs) But just talking about it with the people who I met there and they're all military or at least 
military adjacent, military retired, or military enthusiasts. You know, mm-hmm. there was uh, 2,000 people there. It was huge. Oh and, um, you know, when they asked me what I'm doing and I told them, like, some of them were skeptical, skeptical because it's military. And, you know, military um, combat veterans, um, they often have PTSD. And so I think mm-hmm. that they were like, another one. You know, and I said, <laughs> I said no, no. <laughs> Not just another not just, one. <laughs> not just one more for the military. And said, you know, that it's so common to, to have people who aren't combat veterans um, have PTSD. And, but we all associate PTSD with horrible um, wars and genocide and these horrible things that, that, you know, the military is forced to end up doing. And it's horrific and but there are people who are just like any other of the rest of the population, the rest of the 99% of the population who've never seen combat, who have PTSD. And uh, Nicole and I, Nicole's the co-creator, and um, she has been diagnosed with PTSD from a, an abusive relationship. And so, you know, when she tells me her story, and, and Annette, you've shared your story, and when I tell these people on the outside, people who aren't involved in the project, it's like, it's like a light comes in that wasn't there before in their faces. And they go, oh, my God, me too. Or, oh, my God, my sister or my mother or my best friend. And it's, and it's this, this, not that they're realizing that they have PTSD. They're not, obviously, I'm not diagnosing anybody. But it's like, it's a light of, of, oh my God, somebody finally understands me. Mm-hmm. And I've been holding this in myself for so long and nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. for them to recognize what Nicole and I are doing within themselves, they have this thankful you know, face on that it just melts my heart and it makes me know for a fact that this has got to be done. This project has got to be made because so many people need it. It's like a therapeutic, just me, just me pitching it to them. It's like therapy washes over them and they feel like they're seen for the first time in a long time. And I think that's, that's that's what like, (laughs) No matter how busy I get, I have to make sure I donate or designate uh, some part of my day every day to this project because it has to be made. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think that's one of the messages is that people need to hear is that they're not alone. Right. So as soon as they hear, it's like, and you, just like you said, the reactions because now they feel like, oh my gosh, me too. But yeah. I just didn't know how to say anything. Yeah, yeah. So Oops, sorry. Um, no, and that's, you know, I have. I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Excuse me. I don't have PTSD. At least I haven't been diagnosed with it yet. <laughs> um, but I don't. So far as I know, I don't. Um, but I remember, so I'm on, I'm on uh, anti-anxiety and uh, antidepressant um, medication, which 
I thought I could get off of at one point and I can't. <laughs> no, I'm way happier this way. <laughs> For all those who can do it without medication, you are amazing. But here right? I am living a better life through meds. And um, they, um, I just remember feeling so alone and thinking to myself, and, and anxiety and depression are some of the most common mental illnesses in the, in the world. You know, most of us go through this. But right. when you're going through some of your hardest days, the worst thing is to feel like, I, why can't I just be normal? Why can't I just be like everybody else? What's yeah. wrong with me? And nothing's wrong with you. Almost everybody else feels the way you do or the way right. I did. And that sort of why me and why is it only me? Why can everybody else get their lives together but me? And that loneliness and isolation you create in yourself makes it so much worse and it isn't and that's why I mean when I started talking about my anxiety and depression I remember my mother actually saying to me you know you really share that sort of stuff like too much you really shouldn't talk about it so much (laughs) and I'm like um nope I'm gonna continue to talk about it because as especially as my husband progressed in his career and he became more of a leader um Mm -hmm. He became um, skipper in the Navy, uh, commander. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the responsibility, some responsibility fell on me to the, to the junior officer's spouses. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted them to know that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel anxiety. It's okay to feel like you can't do this or right. that, you know, you're too it's too much, this, this military mm-hmm. life. I wanted them to right. know that that's not an uncommon thing to feel. And whenever I spoke about it, and that's this is, here I just said in the beginning of our conversation, people get deep with me and I don't know why, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I am this not what we do. Clearly. <laughs> and so, but since I've been, ta- I've been talking about it for years, years and years. And almost every spouse who I've talked to about it, they're like, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one. God, no. You know, especially military spouses. We are portrayed as these tough prods or tough guys who, you know, hold down the household and we can take care of the kids by ourselves. And we don't worry about when our husbands go off to war or our wives go off to war or deployment in peacetime. Say it's peacetime, which it hasn't been forever. But since peacetime, <laughs> and you know the navy. So the navy goes. The navy goes in, in wartime and in peacetime. The navy leaves, and it, you know it's still earth shattering. And you know you think you're supposed to be the strong, competent person, and we are. But that doesn't mean it's difficult. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not difficult. It doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt, and that we're still lonely and lost, and those feelings can start to come back. So, yeah, I mean, I guess this, this project has been exactly what I've needed (laughs) to do. It's, it couldn't be a better fit. I think it's, well, I commend you. And I think it's amazing for telling the junior spouses about this because it, just like you said, it is so hard to be a senior spouse and be portrayed as having to be perfect. She's got it all together and, you know, just, just all that. So for you to be able to reach out and tell them 
is that's a hard thing to do and that takes a lot of courage but it's needed yeah it is so needed and I think even now you know I don't really talk about my husband's rank I just talk to say where he works but we don't really talk about his rank or what he does um because you know I just I tried to save him but I'm not I'm not afraid anymore to say anything so if they ever find out oh you're hurt you're uh or that's your husband yep it is and I'm just I'm just doing what I love and this is me and it's important to send this message it and is. so um that it is hard so when he gets in another leadership position and I'm gonna be that senior spouse it's I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing because I think it, it is it is very important because I am gonna fail I'm gonna fall I'm not going to be perfect. My house is not going to be clean. Um, exactly. <laughs> they're going to have to just deal with it. Because... Deal with it. I mean, it's life. It is life. <laughs> you so know? when my husband was commanding um, his squadron, you know, when the guys would go, or even if they were still here, at, uh, you know, in the States, I'd say, you know, anybody who needs it doesn't matter. You know, like I'm have like, just come to my house on Saturday afternoon. Or come to my house on Sunday afternoon. Like, yeah, my kids might still be in their pajamas with their teeth unbrushed. Um, but it is what it is. And if you need to talk, I'll have coffee and or wine or champagne or whatever it is that you want. And, of mm-hmm. course, I'm a baker, so I always make everybody nice and fat. <laughs> Why can't you live next door? <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> And yeah, I just, you know, keep my door open and, you know, there's a chance that my husband will screen for major command here coming up pretty soon. And if that happens, uh, I will continue doing that. And once a month, I'll get everybody together if I can and, you know, have it be an open conversation. This life is hard. This And this life, even without being a military member or a military yeah. spouse is hard. It, it's yeah. hard. It sucks, you know, and, and things don't turn out the way you thought they would and it's a lot harder than you expected and that you have to have somebody that you can go to and just talk things through with whether that's a therapist or a friend or a senior spouse or whatever um, that sounded weird to say senior spouse what do you call somebody in our position just yeah, military spouse well, I our, guess I don't know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like my husband's accomplishments are not my own but <laughs> But yeah, no, I just I think it's so, it's so important. And especially because, like, so when my husband was a junior officer, the we call them cows in the Navy, the commanding officer wives. wives uh, the cows that we had, or that I were, uh, came up in the Navy with, grew up with, basically, um, they did seem perfect. They did seem like they had their things, their life together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I s- strived for that perfection when I was younger. Yeah. And... I tried to put on the persona of a well put together, you know, I don't even know, you know, the stereotypical military spouse. I tried to put that right. role on and ugh, I could not do it. <laughs> it was horrible. Like I can't, I can't be anything but exactly what I am loud. Um, too personal uh, <laughs> and yep and extrovert the uh the squadron we were in was full of introverts and I actually remember saying to them I was like okay you guys 
you might hate me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I just don't know how else to be. (laughs) Take take me as I am. Mm -hmm. No, and it is important because there's just too much stress. There was times where I'm just like, you know what? I I can't. I can't. You need to find out who else can do it Mm -hmm. or you know we stress about the house not always being clean that nope I'm, I'm done yeah I'm done doing that um but it is it's important to be real no matter what capacity you're in it's just you just can't you know we're not well it's exhausting to be anything other than what you are yeah and eventually you're yeah. going to fizzle out and you're yeah. gonna get fall back into a hole of depression or of bad habits that you once had you know nothing like that lasts forever if it's not who you actually are right you're right and especially with this the stigma out there with the whole me- with mental health and all that it is it is important to just tell people that it's okay you don't have to be perfect mm-hmm. just just be you and if you need someone to talk to you you know reach out yeah. and so I'm I'm so glad that you are um you're one of those people oh, they they, mm-hmm. they need people like you and no matter what branch of service or you know anything i think they definitely need people like you to to just be real be loud laugh <laughs> yeah. do whatever do do whatever my my daughter used to always tell me because my mom my mom's a loud laugher and i got that too so my daughter used to be like mom you laugh so loud same i, I will don't care if you are out to lunch <laughs> or coffee or breakfast or dinner or whatever with me you're gonna it's gu- gonna be guaranteed you're gonna get stares at our table because i i am just i'm so jovial and like if I think it's funny it's like rip roaring funny (laughs) (laughs) I am always the table that's being stared at and you know what I'm okay with that that's okay (laughs) they wish they were at my table (laughs) right it could be there could be worse things so you're just trying to enjoy life and I think that's what's important I know in one uh event I went to a couple weeks ago and there was a question that was asked was what is one thing that you're most um, proud of or one of your biggest accomplishments? And I said laughing Mm -hmm. because it's, I have spent too many years being too serious. Oh yeah. Always, always (laughs) have to be serious. Always have to be strong. I just want to laugh now. That's it. Just laugh. I got to laugh at myself. I laugh through tears. If you can't laugh. laugh at yourself, man, life is going to kick your ass. Like, <laughs> we are so all true. just trying to figure this out and we're making mistakes and we're fumbling and falling and you got to laugh at yourself. I mean, I think I'm hilarious in, 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 in my, in my excellent comedic timing and in the fact that I like, we'll just run into doors because I don't pay attention and uh, I don't have spatial awareness. <laughs> And it's okay. We still love you. Yeah, I mean, it's endearing, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's pretty bruises. <laughs> Your battle scars. Yeah. It's okay. It's just okay. From clumsiness. <laughs> um, well, geez, I um I wanna ask you that hard question, but you have you have spoken about a lot of things in your life and even now is there anything else that you uh have gone through that you don't really talk about or <laughs> is there a, well I'm sure there there might be a few but is there one thing you want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> you could pick one I, actually, I know that's right the thing like when you when you told me you were going to ask me that question I was like oh my god I'm just I'm such a obnoxiously 
outspoken person. I don't really have a whole lot that I hide. <laughs> I guess the one thing that I don't like talking about is the one thing that I'm constantly struggling with. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I do have an answer to your question, and I'll tell you. Um, I developed um, this crippling anxiety with travel uh, after mm-hmm. I had my first son. And I don't know where it came from or why it developed. Um, I had nothing bad happened. Like, all of my traveling has been fine. Nothing Mm. horrible has happened. I've never had a plane crash or a major car accident. Um, But for whatever reason, going somewhere on, like, vacation. Like, like if my husband was like, hey, surprise tickets to um, France. I'd be terrified. Most people would be like, yeah, oh my God, we pack my bags. <laughs> I would be throwing up because I have this horrible, it's infuriating, um, crippling anxiety with traveling. And I'm doing my best to get over it. I still plan trips, to, even if it makes me nauseous. Um, I will not go on a cruise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that just seems... Like, a risk I don't want to take. <laughs> I, know. I know. But, yeah, I don't know what it is. That's And so when, when friends are like, hey, you know, for my 40th birthday or whatever, let's go to somewhere. I'm like, okay, great. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> like, I know I'm going to be a basket case the whole time. And I hate that. But I have to force myself to do it. Otherwise, I'll live like this forever. And I can't do that. Oh, my gosh. So what are some ways that you're trying to cope with that? I wish I had an answer for that. Uh, I you're, make plans. You're still trying. I'm still yeah. trying. Oh, my God. I'm still trying. So, yeah. right now, I'm on Paxil. <laughs> yeah. That's helpful. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that I'm more able to function throughout the day. Um, right. And it's not uh, – the anxiety that I that I have is not something that I live with every single day. It's not um, um, generalized anxiety. It's anticipatory anxiety. So it isn't until I have something that other people would normally look forward to that makes me crazy anxious, uh, for instance. Um, So, but I still, you know, I don't want my children and my husband to miss out on living life the way they should be living it. I want them to experience everything that they can with me along with them. Yeah. Um, So I just, I try to force myself to do it and if I need it, I will take prescription medications for, you know, panic attacks because um, I'll need it. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that I know that I need to do, but I haven't done it yet, is just go. Like, and a lot. So I need to just get on a plane and go. And honestly, I'm not afraid of flying. It's the weirdest thing. Once I'm in the plane, hmm. I'm totally fine. Hmm. <laughs> very strange very like therapists have been like I do not know how to figure you out <laughs> like great I'm glad I'm here <laughs> yeah thanks but I so I know and and I used to travel constantly I mean I used to go I used to live in LA and I used to go from LA to Boston and to Seattle like like every like maybe three times a month all the time traveling everywhere wow and then I had my my first kid and it was like I can't it was like I turned into a, this, like, shut-in. 
I couldn't go yeah. anywhere. And so I've been work. Oh. I've been working with that for like eleven years now. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a, quite the adventurous person, um, pretty spontaneous. Now, I well, I just want that person back, and so right. I have to work really hard to find her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I feel like I'm close, but it's gonna take like now is the time to get the really difficult work done. Like just book yeah. a trip. And go, go to the airport yeah. and go put me on the first flight, flight to wherever. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Cause it's the more, you know, and I don't want to have to rely on Ativan to enjoy a, a, a family vacation. <laughs> right. That's right. Not, that's not any way to live for me. Um, so I just have to go and go on, go on, on as many trips as I can in order to retrain my brain. You know, you, it, it won't, it won't work with one trip a year. I have right. to, I have to really start being more bold yeah. and, and diving into that fear instead of trying to avoid it. Avoiding fear just makes the monster grow bigger. Yeah. I am so glad that you are at least addressing it because some people might, they probably can't get past it and, and they just want to say, I'm done. I can't do it. But you're at least you're trying to take the steps to, to get over that. Yeah. Well, I would hate to get to the end of my life and go, I never went to Paris. I never went to, you know, wherever, Italy, Germany, um, Japan, let's say like, I've never done any of it. Yeah. I would hate, I would hate to get there at the end of my life and go, well, I played it safe. Right. At least I didn't have anxiety because I stayed home. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, it. Might be a fine life for other people, and the mm-hmm. idea of getting over it makes me nervous. You know, the idea yeah. of getting on a plane and going to Europe makes me nervous. Getting on a plane yeah. and going to freaking Boston right now makes me nervous. And I live in DC; it's an hour flight. <laughs> <laughs> like, just get over it. And I get angry with myself for it. Like, really pissed yeah. off about myself for it. Because I don't Ooh. recognize this person. This wasn't me forever, you know? I, I mean, I've always had anxiety. I've always been a, you know, a kid, you know, as a child, I had anxiety. But I still did it. You right. know, I, 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 I did things with fear. And now I don't. And I, I, have to, I have to stop doing that. You can't be brave without fear. That's true. That's true. You're almost there. Almost. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Get there eventually. You will. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, Jillian, gosh, we could I know we could talk for like hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I I uh, <laughs> I really I really do appreciate you being on the podcast. I really do. I I am just so grateful for the people that have been put into my life. It, we just it just happens when you least expect it. And I and I really do appreciate it every time I meet someone new that just makes such a huge impact that, you know, when we're even like-hearted and like-minded people. And that to me is, that's a huge thing, especially when we, we all kind of suffer with, you know, different things. So I, I appreciate the person that you are and what you are doing and just for being you. So I, I, I really do. I thank you very much. Well, thank you, Annette. Right back at you. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> gotta pay attention to the universe and that's what I'm trying to do 
we really we really do we we spend so much time trying to fight it because we want things to be the way we want them but sometimes you know we're being called in a different direction we need to kind of follow that exactly but where tell the listeners where we can find out about the project so claire voyage has a facebook page it's uh c-l-a-i-r-v-o-y-a-g-e it's a play on the word clairvoyance um, so we have a clairvoyant Facebook page. It's also linked to um, other social networks like Instagram and Twitter. Um, so you can message me and Nicole on clairvoyage page on Facebook, and we can talk to you through the messenger. Also, we are looking for um, anybody who's interested in telling their own story and with their um, life through PTSD. If anybody in the D.C. area would want to be interviewed by Nicole and I, um, either anonymously or not, it's up to you. But we're, we're looking, constantly looking for more um, stories so that we can really shed light on how broad this uh, diagnosis is. Um, and we're currently trying to talk to and find a psychologist and a psychiatrist uh, or a neurologist that can help us understand the brain mapping and the therapy um, associated with PTSD. So I, that's my little casting call right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. And, and it's no, that is a good thing to put out because we do, you know, you do want different stories, different backgrounds mm-hmm. to really, you know, state that it's not just veterans, it's all people, everyone right. deals with a certain trauma. And or that's not PTSD. to say that we aren't, in, that's not to say that we aren't interested in, in interviewing veterans. I absolutely am. I, you know, right. it would be silly not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm putting that Everybody. out there too. Don't think that just because, you know, the veteran angle has been done. It's, it's still so important. It is. We all have different stories, mm-hmm. different experiences. So but thank you very much. Go to Claire Voyage on Facebook and get in contact with Jillian or Nicole. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you, I'll Annette. talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.